It's good to be here today. I'm glad to um, share this summer Sabbath here with you. Um, a lot of the rest of the pastors, except Pastor Radley and myself, are up at camp meeting because Prescott is getting um, ordained today. So it's very exciting for Pastor Prescott up there at camp meeting. And I will join tomorrow. Um, but I get to be here today and I'm grateful. Um, I just love our congregation. I love being here. And um, yeah, we have a few weeks until Pastor Shane starts on July 1st. So I'm excited to see, see what's, what's in store. Um, and I get to use Pastor Dwight's screen. Look at that. That's pretty cool. Hey. <laughs> All right. Um, let's begin. Our, our summer series continues with adventures in faith walking. Today we're talking about when the times of testing come. So our story picks up. We are talking about Exodus 13, Exodus 14 today, the crossing of the Red Sea. Now, this is the, the story starts. I'm going to give a little bit of background before we get right into the story. This is 430 years. You guys know this well. The Israelites have been in captivity and been in bondage. So if we were released today, if we had been in bondage for 430 years, how long ago was that from 2023? My mathematicians. 430 years ago. How long far back was that? Here's some murmurings. It's 1593. I used my calculator. 1593. So that's how long ago 430 years are if we were released today. So lots of generations of Israelites have come and have gone. It's a long time had passed, right? And they were slaves to the Egyptians. They had lost all their freedoms. They were property of someone else and forced to serve their masters. And, and for years they had been praying to God for deliverance. And then God raises up Moses. And Moses is this amazing leader, but his, his beginnings are a little bit, um, what do you say, a little harder beginnings. And I resonate with Moses when he says, um, I'm not a speaker. I never imagined myself in front of people growing up. I was am still probably terrified to be in front of people. And when I was in high school, my first time I was asked to speak, I said yes. And I did not sleep all night. I prepared my little, my, it was a, a week of prayer talk. Prepared my talk. I didn't sleep all night. Um, and then in the morning, I had such a stomach ache. I took a bunch of charcoal. I just drank powdered charcoal, lots of it. And I was speaking for eight kindergartners, just so you know how scared I was. So um, anyway, so I resonate. I resonate with Moses when he says, I stutter and I don't like to be in front of people. But Moses, God raised up Moses, right? And um, he called Moses for a specific reason and a specific purpose. Even though Moses ran, even though he made mistakes, he called him and he had a plan for his life. And Moses listened. He said yes. And just like that, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives, right? We just have to say yes to him. So don't run from God's calling in your life. You could miss out on a huge miracle, which we're about to see in our story, which we know. So we're going to get into Exodus 13 and 14, and Exodus is all about freedom. So these 430 years in captivity, Exodus, Exodus 12 recounts the story about how God miraculously saves the people, right? Um, it's Passover, and the first one, and Moses, fin um, fi Moses finally said yes to being a leader, and Pharaoh, after the plagues and all of that, says, hey, go, right? Israelites, you can go. You can leave. And... Um, 
that the news that they were free, I believe, traveled faster than middle school rumors. It just spread, right? And people were packing and grabbing their things as they grabbed their bread before they were able to put yeast in it, right? They were getting their herds and their cattle and their families and said, we can go. We are delivered. And um, they, they walk out, and it even says in the Bible, the Egyptians gave them jewelry and gave them gold on their way out. So they literally were the masters giving their slaves gold and said, just go. They were done, right? Let, get, get out and go. But the Israelites, I think this is an important point, they were delivered, but they weren't yet free. They were delivered, but they weren't yet free because remember that freedom was in the promised land. Freedom was in Canaan. That's what God had promised them. Canaan was where they were free. So they had this wilderness experience before they arrived to freedom. And they were delivered out of slavery, correct though, out of bondage, but they still needed to go this time period, this wilderness, um, so they could eventually come, become fully free. And a lot of times, I think as Christians and as Adventists, sometimes we settle for deliverance when we have freedom just the next step beyond us. It's, it's a limited Christianity. We say, I'm Adventist, I don't do this, I don't do this on the Sabbath, I don't do that on the Sabbath, I don't do this, I don't do this. And sometimes we act like we're delivered from something, which we are from sin, right? But we don't, we're not living for something. We're not living for Jesus Christ and living in the freedom that he has for us. So the same with the Israelites. They were delivered out of slavery and on their way to freedom, it ended up taking them how long? 40 years, right? 40 years. And it wasn't meant to be 40 years, I don't think. Deuteronomy tells us it's a three-day journey from Egypt into Canaan. Three days. And, and I think just like them, you and I can end up taking 40 years in a wilderness experiment experience that is meant to be shorter, because I think sometimes we hang on to things that, that don't allow us to live in Christ's actual freedom. So, so my question is, what unforgiveness, what pain, what guilt, what condemnation, what things are you holding on to today that God wants to take you somewhere else, but you haven't let those go yet? So I learned this from the Israelites. They were there for 40 years, and it could have been shorter. But okay, we're going to pick up an Exodus 13, verse 17. 13, 17, if you want to turn there. I don't have this on the screen, even though I have the screen. But so turn to your Bibles. 13, verse 17. <laughs> now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was shorter. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Therefore, God led the people around by way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And some of the sons of Israel went in battle formation from the land of Egypt. Now, when God leads us, I think sometimes too, we think, it's going to be the easy way. God's got us now. This is like smooth sailing from here. We are, we are good. He must love shortcuts. But actually it says God did not take them the short route because he knew that path had destruction in the path, right? And, um, we look at what the scripture says. It says, when Pharaoh let them go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines up the coast, the shortcut. Um, if he, if you popped it into Google maps, that would have been the way, right? He led them instead um, 
to a, a, a different way because he didn't want them to get hurt. He didn't want them to get uh, scared and turn back. He knows the best path, right? So there was a shorter way, there was a quick way, but God wants us to know he knows the best way for us. And sometimes um, I've gotten frustrated, like, come on, God, like, I've been working at this for years. I don't know why this isn't happening. Like, look, look at them. They did it so much quicker. And, and why, why isn't this, is there, a, there's no shortcut, but God knows the best way, hands down. He is protecting you. And so the Israelites were not prepared for the battles were up that road. Um, they were, they, there wasn't a logical way. It wasn't faster. It wasn't the way they would have chosen on their own. It looked like they were walking in circles a little bit. And, um, but they still chose the best way because the long way isn't a punishment. It's a preparation and it's a protection and it's character building. So follow the path that God leads out for you. Exodus thirteen nineteen 19 um, says this, Moses took the bones of Joseph, sorry, chapter 13, verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped in Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God was always there. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near, encamp near Pi-Hatharoth between Migdol and the sea. There they are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But the Lord says, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So Israel did this. Continues, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. They said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. So Pharaoh had his chariots made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped by the sea, near, near Pihathoroth, opposite Baal Zephon. So this looked to the Egyptians' le- leaders like these people didn't know what they were doing. Um, they walked and encamped in this place. They looked, they looked confused. The Bible says they turned back into a vulnerable spot. And when I read the Bible, sometimes I imagine stories um, that are happening when, when you hear the text. Like, he got really mad, Pharaoh got really mad. Wait a second, we let them go? And um, he says, he says uh, what have we done, right? And um, I, imagine, I imagine they're sitting around a, a meal, a, the breakfast table the next morning, and they get there and they say, wait a second, there's no food, 
We don't have servants to make us food. There's no bowls because we gave up all of our gold and jewels. We don't have anything to eat on. And, and I imagine him getting really angry. That's not in the Bible. That's in my imagination. But I imagine him getting really angry. And that's why he says, grab all the chariots. We're going after them. Even after the plagues and after everything, he didn't realize that God was fighting for them, right? And um, I, I just see him mad. And he starts chasing the people. The Israelites were not able to, to defend themselves against the Egyptian army. There's no way right? The Egyptian army, his whole army was one of the most powerful of the time. So um, imagine the Israelite side now. You're encamped in this spot. You know this isn't a good spot because you're surrounded by mountains and the sea, and you hear the thundering roar of chariots coming after you, right? And they're chasing you. You've only escaped to find out it's not true. They're coming for you. So the situation at this point looks hopeless. The time of testing has come. And in our lives, we often have similar situations. I don't think we're often chased by large armies of chariots or, or pinned against water and mountains. But, but I know that um, there's vulnerable situations or scary situations or times where you feel exposed or nowhere to turn. And, and I mean, I felt like that. Times of testing come, right? They come. And, and when this time comes, just know God is getting ready to act on your behalf. I'm here to tell you that, that impossible is where God likes to start, that's his starting point. And this situation looked impossible, right, from all logical standpoint. So Exodus 14.10 picks up our story. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here into the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Powerful, right? Powerful. When the time of testing comes, the Lord will fight for you. Now, I do, I do have a slide. Let's see. This is um, about four years ago. Ellie was two. That's my daughter, for those who don't know. And I, um, one of the scariest situations in my life, a time of testing in my life, I have Crohn's disease. For those who don't know, it's an autoimmune disease that my body attacks itself. And, um, and I, I was very sick. I didn't know it at the time. I just didn't feel well. And it slowly, slowly, I didn't feel, I felt worse and worse and worse and worse over the course of about five years. And I didn't realize how bad it had gotten. And because it just was very slow. And then um, one night, I was just not doing well. I will spare you the details, but I was very, very sick. So I, I went to the ER. Someone took me to the ER. And um, as soon as I got there, they immediately admitted me. They poked a bunch of needles in me and said, your organs are shutting down. 
You're very sick. And um, at that point, I mean, I was, I was super scared. Uh, I, I was like, what can I do? What can I do? Help me. Like, because uh, like, there's something I can do. And I remember the nurse said, no, you just need to lay right here. There's nothing you can do. Um, let me take, let us take care of you. Right? And um, so I said, okay. And, and that reminded me of the verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And, and God fought that battle. I mean, I was there for six days in the hospital and I am recovered and I've had surgery and medication and I'm doing very, very well. Praise the Lord. But um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jesus, because I was not good for a while. But during the scariest times in your life, when the outlook does not look good and the situation with all rational thought looks impossible, God says, I got this. Be still. And many times, I think, um, for me at least, I try to get out of the impossible situation in my own strength, or I complain about the situation, um, and, or I blame someone else for, for this. That's what they did. The, the Israelites complained, and they blamed Moses for their hopelessness. Why have you brought us here, right? So we can learn from the Israelites um, who, who somehow just forgot days ago that God miraculously brought them out of Egypt, right? I mean, we forget that so, so quickly. He brought the plagues that didn't harm them. And um, they just needed to learn to trust God when those times of testing come. Because if they keep murmuring, if they keep grumbling, if they keep complaining, if they keep a heart full of doubt, or if they kept blaming each other or blaming their leaders, they would, they're going to end up dying in the wilderness, right? I mean, that's the consequence of not trusting God fully. And so this is the reason I think why it's important to remember the faithfulness of God in the past. Remember what God has done in your lives. Remember what he has done because he is the same yesterday, he's the same today in the present, and he is the same in the future. So share your testimony, share the little things God does day to day. I mean, I tell my students um, all the time, like share with each other, what has God done with you in your assignments this week? What has he done at home with you this week? What, What have you learned from him this week? Share those things because it makes you, helps you stand firm and stand strong in God's faithfulness and it'll help you when the next time of trouble comes. It not only helps that, but it helps the person you share with too, right? Helps them. So so share what God has done. Share his faithfulness to you in your life. Um, It doesn't only strengthen your faith, but it will strengthen someone else's too. Um, When we trust God, we can witness the amazing miracle he will do on our behalf. We might be facing, uh, you might be facing what it looks to be a Red Sea. I don't know every circumstance, every situation, but at some point in life, I know we face something that looks like a Red Sea. There's no way over, there's no way under, there's no way through, and there's, there's bad things coming for you, right? And I, I want you to know that the same God that has been faithful to you this far is the same God that will take you to the other side. He can still part Red Seas. He can still make a way when there seems to be no way because we serve a God of miracles. And, and the choice is yours. The choice is yours to grumble or complain. The choice is yours to take the step of faith, right? And um, so I, I, my prayer is we trust the faithfulness of God now and in the future. So he says, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. 
Exodus 14, 15, we're keeping our passage. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near each other all night long. God's protection over them. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Amazing. Miracle. And some, sometimes the simplest thing can have the most unbelievable ramifications Often we don't do the simple thing because it seems too easy. And we just think like, it's not a big deal. We forget it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. See, when Moses, when God asked Moses to just stretch out his hand, what if he didn't do it? What would have happened? But there was no power in Moses' hand. There's no power in Moses' rod. There's no power in Moses. The power only comes from God, is always from God, right? And he, he just asks Moses to do these things because he's, God is looking for obedience. God is looking for trust and obedience in a time of testing. So when God asks you to do the simple things, even if you look like a fool doing them, even if people laugh, trust God obey because he will come through with a giant miracle in your life they walked through on dry ground god not only parted the water but he made the path not muddy for all the people to walk through on dry ground i mean it's just amazing there's a quote um ellen white shares shares this this story in Patriarchs and Prophets. And this, this quote is, is pretty powerful. It says this, yet the voice of God speaks clearly. Go forward. We should obey this command even though our eyes cannot penetrate the darkness and we feel the cold waves about our feet. The obstacles that hinder our progress will never disappear before a halting, doubting spirit. Those who defer obedience till every shadow of uncertainty disappears and there remains no risk of failure or defeat will never obey at all. Don't wait. Unbelief whispers, let us wait till the obstructions are removed and we can see our way clearly. But faith courageously urges an advance, hoping all things, believing all things. Obey when God calls. Do not wait, because then there's miraculous things he does on our behalf. Even when you have doubts, even when you are certain, go forward, she says. And it's just, it's just so powerful. Now, um, Exodus 14, 
13 and 14, again, just to put it up there. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day, oh, this is Exodus 14, 29. It's actually a little bit different than this one, the end of the chapter. 30 says, that day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And that's what God is in the business of doing, saving you and me and saving everyone that we come in contact with, right? And I wonder what it looks like in your world to trust God when the times, the hard times, the times of trouble come. Do you speak up? Do you, do you need to be still? Do you need to lead? Do you need to obey? Because the time of testing will come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? Times of testing come. And, and Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. <laughs>